Hello and welcome to the Halftime Orange podcast. I'm Brenton Weber, your host, and today we're going to be talking with Carl Seiss. He's a transformation specialist and we're going to have an amazing conversation covering what transformation looks like in 2020, a year that's affecting all of us, all of our businesses, building resilience and, our, and stretching our mental health. Um, so without further ado, let me introduce you to Carl. Hello and welcome to the Halftime Orange podcast with me, your host, Brenton Weber. Um, I'm really excited to have um, our guest on the show today. We've had a, we've already had a fascinating conversation in the green room. So without no further ado, let me introduce to you Carl Seiss. Carl, how are you today, mate? G'day, Brenton. Thanks very much for having me on the podcast. It's great to be here. Oh, it's great to have you on the show. It really is. Um, Carl, so that the listeners can have a bit of an understanding of you and your journey and where you are now and where you're going, um, how about just sharing a little bit about yourself and, uh, and what, you, what, what you get up to every day? Thank, thanks, Brenton. Appreciate that. Um, so I'm a 20-year veteran of the IT industry, Brenton. I currently am the country manager for a company called Alcatel Listen Enterprise. And many people know Alcatel as a old-fashioned telephone company or maybe a PBX company. But in fact, the world we are in in 2020, it's very much a UC and a communications and collaboration company also focusing on networking solutions. But over the course of my 20-year career, I've actually worked in a variety of different parts of the IT industry. I've had the good fortune of being spending seven and a half years at Dell. One of my large, most recent roles was about six years at a company called Staples, which is now known as uh, Wink. I ran the technology solutions business for that business. And I've also been involved in a couple of software vendor opportunities. And I also spent a little bit of time at Gartner as well. So I've had a quite a, uh, <clears throat> probably an encyclopedic journey in IT. Yeah. But it's been an industry that I have a deep passion for. I had uh, one moment in my career where I jumped away from IT, but I ran back to it as quickly as I jumped away. So very passionate. Where was that jump to? So after I left Dell, uh, this is probably the middle part of last decade, I decided that it was time to not go to a competitor or just go to the same as. So I decided to uh, join a company called American Express. Oh, yeah. And uh, I, was the, I was the head of acquisition for Commercial Card there. So I was there for three and a half years. And look, it was a great experience. They were a great company. But at the end of the day, I missed my crazy tech folks and also the, the great things we do in the technology industry every day. So great, great to be here and great to be doing what we're doing. Yeah, yeah. It sounds very interesting. Dell are a company that, that come up in all of our um, workshops, actually, at Halftime Orange, because they were one of, when we look at customer experience, gr the growth of it over the last 20, 30 years, Dell were that first company to really offer the personalization in the home computers that we were we were buying and wanting. You're right, Brenton. One of the first jobs I did in IT was actually working in the in the channel. And what was amazing about going to Dell was being in the early stage of actually doing some testing, market testing with some very basic premise that customers wanted to take control of their destiny as far as how they purchased and utilized technology. And ultimately, also, what Dell was very early adopters of is actually understanding the post-sale journey. So actually taking enough time to not just understand any renewal motions, but actually marketing on a very customized basis. And they were very early adopters of that. And I know that at the time when they were early in their journey, last decade, 
um, that it was all quite controversial, but they managed to be very successful. I was lucky enough, Brenton, to go over to the US for a bunch of years. So I lived in Austin, Texas with Dell. Oh, great. And uh, also, again, had the great experience of actually working in North America for a bunch of years as well. And again, you see a different side, but all very, very interesting, all very, very exciting. Yeah. Um, you've, you, had a, you, you took a new appointment as well early on in this most interesting and unprecedented years of 2020. What a year to start. Um, so would you want to tell us a little bit about that role at AIIA? What a year. What a year we've had so far, Brenton. And certainly, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. So I, I was invited to join uh, the board of the AIIA, which is the Information Industry Association. Uh, so we've got a bunch. We've got about uh, 20-odd directors on, on the board, all from different parts of the industry. And essentially, we provide an advocacy policy and strategy uh, capability for industry. So we work with both vendors, partners, distributors, and also members, participants within the industry. So the organisation um, during COVID season operates a lot more virtually than we have in the past, mm -hmm. but we actually provide a bunch of uh, thinking. We also promote industry causes. We also are often involved in government, key government initiatives, where the government's looking for assistance to draw policy or draw strategy, and they'll often come to AAA or subset of and actually ask them to assist them to draw uh, those conclusions and start putting together outcomes. So we we get involved. So very interesting. I've only I feel like I've only got my P plates on in that role, Brenton. To be honest, I've only been doing the role for just over half a year. But it's uh, an incredible bunch of people I'm working with, all very passionate about the industry, like I am, and want to make a difference and give people give give back to the industry. Frankly, that's why we're doing it. We want to give back. We've had a lot of we've taken a lot of value. We've had a lot of fun. It's time to actually. Uh, give others the opportunity and, and potentially do some good for the industry, which I which I, I certainly feel quite passionate about. Yeah, to give back is so important. And what a year to be starting to do that or, or continuing to do that. Um, speaking about this year, um, be ridiculous to, to just ignore it. Um, how are you doing where, where you are in usually New South Wales, but I believe today you've been able to travel out of state to ACT and to Canberra? which uh, is quite, it's quite a strange feeling to be able to travel in 2020, isn't it? Absolutely, Brenton. I remember even this year, a couple of my travel experiences. I know that I was on one of the last flights between Sydney to Melbourne on the day, it was days literally before the lockdown happened. And I'll never forget not only the emotions I felt, but the emotions of the community. I think it was really obvious that something was about to happen. No one quite knew how big. And I saw the emotions of the flight crew and quickly realised that this thing was not going to be a, a passing storm. This was far bigger than just a passing storm or a season. Where I come to you today, I've actually driven down from Sydney to Canberra, which is a little bit over three and a half hours. Um, it's actually a very good drive, very easy drive, but Canberra seems to be a little bit of a bubble here. Um, and I, I don't want I, I to say anything uh, unusual about it, but it's, it's not just the government side of things. They're actually... Uh, operating very much around setting new policy, both through, through uh, managing the pandemic, but also what's going to happen over the horizon when the pandemic is over. So you go through in different meetings here that we've had, and everyone's talking about the, the what's next. Obviously, Australian uh, federal budget is coming at the end of this year. There's a lot of change and churn, but generally speaking, the sentiments in this town are pretty positive. Um, people are obviously very cautious. The lifestyle, the living is different. But at the end of the day, people are looking forward, not backwards, which is really good. Yeah, we, it felt like that in New Zealand up until a couple of weeks ago. I mean, we'd gone 
what, 102, 103 days without community transition. I think it was on the 103rd day that we, we got the news with these, this new cluster that um, had, it's the first time that anybody within the Auckland region had got it. And obviously being our biggest city, not the capital, but certainly our most populous city, that was a, that was a big scary moment. And you could feel everybody just like, oh goodness, we've lost that glorious period of time where we could travel freely around the country and, and I guess you know from from our perspective we're trying to get back to that as soon as possible. Can I just say Brenton I've got to say as a, as a member of the Australian community who absolutely admires our, our friends in Kiwiland you guys have always led the way in so many ways I, I selfishly think about the technology industry and you guys are always at the front of every wave and it, it didn't surprise me to see you take such a great position on the global stage, it's not just even regionally. Globally, you guys are best in class in terms of how Prime Minister Ardern and your community has stepped up, and I commend you. I, I know that this current period is challenging, and I, I absolutely can feel it firsthand, the, the in-between, uh, but at the same time, I wouldn't want to leave this part of the conversation by commending you guys and letting you know that many of us appreciate and respect the way in which the, the community over there and the way your country operates culturally, it's very, very healthy how, how you're conducting yourselves. And I, I have every confidence that this is a very short short amount of pain and I look forward alongside you. Well, mate, that's very kind of you to say. Um, we're very proud. Um, your average Kiwi, um, and I'm a POM originally, but um, I've been here for now 14 years and I've got four kids, so this is definitely home. We're very proud of what we've done. But honestly, uh, and... Some people who would be listening to the podcast today will be thinking, well, that's not what I'm hearing from the New Zealand media. Like we're, our, our government is getting absolutely ripped a new one by the mainstream media outlets. Every Prime Minister's question time, not Prime Minister's question time, every, every day at 1pm we have an update from the PM and from the, um, the attorney, the health, uh, Dr Ashley Bloomfield. My, his actual position escapes me, but he's the head of health. And um, they're constantly being asked, have you considered resigning? Um, are you uh, taking away your, your confidence from the health minister, et cetera, et cetera? And whenever Jacinda is on the radio, she tends to get asked these, these questions. I actually had somebody tell me on LinkedIn the other day that New Zealand government were 100% failure at beating COVID. And it just boggles my mind how people can think that when they look outside about what's going on in especially Europe, especially the US. I mean, you guys have handled it pretty well as well. Um, obviously, this second wave in, in Melbourne. How are, they, how, how, do, how are your media kind of covering this? I'm really interested to, to hear from the outside because we think you are rock stars as well in many ways with this unfortunate second wave in, in Melbourne, which I'm sure you're getting on top of. But what are the media saying about it? Look, I, I think we're at the stage, Brendan, where we have to turn our TVs off and, and turn our papers over. Dare I say it, I think we, we, can, we can become creatures of the uh, animosity and the upset that, that, that is felt often. I understand the angst of the community. I really do. And I think the media portrays some of that, but also sometimes to run a taxi meter which shows the numbers and just keep on running that taxi meter all the time isn't going to help us understand the situation anymore. I have, uh, I have a couple of health workers working in my family. I have an, two nurses and I have a policeman who work in my family. And I hear, I hear from the front line and I hear their, their efforts and their work and I, I celebrate so many good stories. There's so many good things we can look forward to 
Um, to be really honest with you, Brenton, I, I think our focus as a community, if I'm allowed to say, needs to be on mental health and focusing on making sure we're taking everyone along for the journey. Too many folks are being left behind who we're not taking the time to check in with them. I don't want to sound corny, but we need to ring that doorbell of our neighbours, ring the guy up the road who we haven't seen for a while and ask the question, are they okay? And take some time to to make sure the community feels to get, feels 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 uh, combined and, and feels the opportunity that they're part of uh, this this next stage. Because if we believe the front pages, we'll, we'll find ourselves in an even darker place. And I don't think that's healthy for anyone. To your point about the media, I think you know globally, I'm hearing um, certainly some nervousness. I mean, Alcatel, the company I work for, operates in about 80 countries globally. So I, I get very concerned when I hear my colleagues in Belgium talking. I know that France has just implemented new uh, temporary unemployment measures, a new series of those, and that's a really quite a harsh initiative. Um, I know our colleagues in South America, Brazil, are hurting very badly. Um, and also, you know, North America, I speak to our colleagues in California in our networking business, and look, it is challenging. Um, but I think we have to rise above this and go, how do we, as a community, globally and regionally and locally, how do we take the steps? There's so much of this we can't control. Let's focus on what we can control. Let's get a, Let's focus on on the day-to-day -day things that we can get in front of. And I genuinely believe there is, there's going to be another day soon. I just, you know, forgive my optimism, but I, you know, part of the reason I was happy to travel this week is because I want uh, to, to continue doing business. I want to continue connecting with people. And I, I believe most of us want to be like that. So I think you're dead right. I think the majority of us are trying to get on with this as best as possible. And as you said, some incredible mental strain that, uh, very few of us have ever been through. My, my year actually started with um, my father passing away just over the Christmas period. So I had to fly back. Sorry, Brenton. Oh, you're very kind of you to say, Carl. Um, and I had to fly back to the UK for a couple of months. And while that was happening, I was seeing COVID starting to hit the news. Um, I managed to get back to New Zealand a couple of weeks before lockdown actually happened, put myself into my own um, self-isolation. Um, and so what what could have prepared us for this year? I, I do feel more resilient this year, strangely, because we started our company two years ago and it's been a tough two years. It's been exciting. But, you know, every every company, those first two years, it can it can it can be a bit of a roller coaster ride. So I think that's built up my resilience, although there is clearly challenges to mental health at the moment. Do you think we're going to come out of 2020 a much more resilient population? Isn't it wonderful that we've uh, retired a few things in our in our in our day to day life? Mm. I mean, I don't know the last I don't know the last time you pulled your wallet out, and I, I probably can't even recall the last time I had cash in my wallet. I don't know how you're situated, but I, I don't use cash anymore, and I haven't actually seen anyone use cash for such a long time. I also ha am now seeing uh, some of the day to day uh, conversations include things like I'm going to zoom you, or I'm going to people are immersing in our vocabulary conversations and, and and parts of the language that we never would have thought would have been. Yeah. Um, I think, if anything, we're being taught to be innovative. We're taught to be – we're being taught to be uh, dependent on ourselves and on each other more than ever before. Um, even in lockdown, um, to, to take the time uh, to find a way to connect, uh, even though video is not the perfect, perfect way uh, mm. for any of us because it can be tiring and can certainly – uh, take a lot of more energy to read the room when you've got 
you know, 30 people on your screen and you're trying to figure yeah. out who's who's doing what. If you're physically in a room, that can sometimes be easier. <laughs> but it's still it's still giving us a, a bend to innovate. It's also giving us an opportunity to uh, to uh, be more be more capable than we've been in the past. I know in the technology industry, I mean, it's no secret that uh, parts of the industry are doing extremely well. So in my business, mm. we're serving the healthcare market. And Brenton, it's not just COVID workloads that we're talking about here. Mm. So when we deal with some of the public hospitals, we've done a number of large redevelopments, uh, even in the past few weeks, where the basis of those investments isn't just to re- to defend to to respond to the COVID threat. It's actually because certain governments, and I'm sure you're seeing the same in NZ, certain parts of government are actually saying, you know what, this is a chance to actually get ahead. This is a chance to look at our work list all the way up to 10 years from now mm. and actually see if we can actually go, we know this is recession recessionary times. How do we bring those opportunities forward and how do we get ahead of it? Now, an org- you know, any organisation that serves workloads relevant is going to really benefit from that. I'm down in Canberra today. In Canberra, Parliament is sitting. The government is absolutely making plans, and those plans go way beyond just taking care of the aged care community. Of course, they're extremely important, but there's so many other priorities that can be accelerated. Um, I think the season we're in allows us to think and act faster than what would normally be possible. That would be probably my, my, my thoughts. Well, look, that segues really nicely into one of the first questions I was actually planning to ask you, and we haven't actually got there. Um, but you're a, you're a self-proclaimed transformation specialist, and certainly what I'm hearing from everywhere, from, from my peers, and also now from you, is that this year is a, a year where we can really, and we probably must, embrace true transformation about the way that we're doing stuff and some of the ways that you've already talked about. What other ways do you see... This, this, the, the transformation um, taking place in 2020. I've heard the saying, and I'm sure it's a saying you've you've heard as well, Brenton. There's a saying, "Don't waste a good crisis." <laughs> yeah. um, it's a it, it's it's a business saying, and it's and it's certainly suggesting that this is also a, a massive opportunity for organisations to think very differently about how they operate and in which playfields they operate. I met a very senior person here in Canberra yesterday who's running a very large a name brand, and you'd know the brand um, business partner that operates in the managed IT services area, very, very large global organisation who's literally in the middle of her, her own transformation. And she was she was sharing with me that the whole basis of their proposition to market is changing at this time. And she felt that it was even more important, and I agree with this notion, that she de- she, she determines the three to four things that are going to make her and her team and her organisation famous. So the days of actually being a broad scale, hey, we'll just get work our way around the edges and work out where we best fit, those, those, those times very much that opportunity seems to have passed, whereas the opportunity to look at very specifically what is the absolute must-gets, what, th- what are the three or four things we can do to make a real difference in our business and ultimately to the customers we serve. Um, I think... You know, times like these sharpen your focus, and I think that's also an opportunity. I mean, I'm doing more, probably in the last six months, I've done more strategy conversations with both our CEO of our company as well as some of our executives. Um, I don't know if you've noticed in the media, Brenton, a couple of weeks ago, we announced a major strategic partnership with a company called Ring Central in the United States. 
and that's a major unified communications provider, actually the world's number one UC provider. Right. For, for, AL, for If you'd said this to ALE three, even three years ago that they could even imagine a partnership like that and in the time that that got signed, they, most, most people would laugh you out of the room. Um, we've also made significant changes to make that happen and it's examples like that that I think there's many, many, many organisations who are now saying, let's, let's take a breath and reset Let's work out what the right bets on the play field are, but make sure those those bets are bite-sized and we can really make sure we make the kind of impact we need to make. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, totally. My clients and probably you already from the chats that we had in the green room, I always try and bring it back to the customer. Do you think that that kind of transformative customer-centric thinking is going to become more prevalent as we we need to engage with our customers more and more? Um, we need to understand the, the difficult journeys that they are on to complete the, the, the successful outcomes that they're aiming for. Are you hearing from your peers and within your organisations that customer centricity is becoming a, a more and more of an imperative? I think anyone, anyone or any organisation who misses the opportunity to be relatable to their customers and to generate value that is clearly understood would, would be missing the mark. I think uh, for years people have spoken about understanding the the value, and I use the analogy uh, with my team that you're either creating value, you're saving cost, or you're changing a process. And I say to my team, if you're not doing one of those three things with the kind of interactions you're having, you need to understand that you're probably missing a big opportunity. So I think a bunch of organisations are looking at their customers and asking those three questions and saying, what can I do? to make a difference, to take some cost out or make a change and proact those conversations and actually take that high value uh, possibility to, uh, to the customer and ultimately help them to shape their, shape their business because everyone's under pressure, everyone's distracted with a lot of reasons not to do things and I think a number of, uh, it'd be fair to say, a number of industries right now are in you know, in a, in a real corner. I mean, I look at the airline industry. We, we serve the hospitality industry. So hotels, they're a big part of our, our business. And, of course, that that, that business is un, has never been under more threat. Yeah. The, the key is how do you make an opportunity out of that? Okay, you're in a period where the income's down. Do you, how do you consolidate? And I know even in Australia this week they've announced or globally they announced IHG and Accor are looking to combine. But there's any number of examples of that. But I think it sharpens sharpens your mind and sharpens your focus and, and that's a good thing. Yeah, we were we were talking to uh, actually on the last podcast we were talking to a guy called Matt Lee, who is the CEO and um, of a company called Oasis, Sydney-based company. And what they do what they do is they provide off airport check-in and bag transfer. And we had a wonderful conversation where we were exploring the overall customer journey that people are in. I think a lot of companies. They have the old school view of a customer journey, uh, which is all of the feelings, emotions, experiences that somebody has with your company while they're completing an outcome. And that's quite a company-centric customer journey. Right. It's all about customers with the company. The, where, where the CX community's thoughts have certainly been evolving over the last couple of years is around the thoughts, feelings, and experiences 
across every company and every touch point that someone has from, in the case of airlines, from when they leave home or even when they're starting to think about the holiday. When they, when they start, when they're sitting at their desk like me thinking, oh my goodness, it's the 158th of March of 2020 <laughs> and I really need a break when lockdown comes down. How do I give myself that, that time off? And they are, they are plugging this amazing. I guess plugging this gap is probably the wrong word, but they are they are healing one of the biggest pain points in air travel, which is that luggage drop off and luggage collection. Their idea is that if they can get everybody to the airport exactly on time, it will be a much smoother, a less chaotic um, experience for everybody, and so will improve. Not only, not only that, are they focusing on improving their own customer journey with when they're when they're impacting um, their customers, but they're also helping all of those airlines. Hopefully, as we move forward and they can start becoming online, how do we have a more streamlined overall customer journey? I'd love them to get involved with the traffic police and uh the that you know to 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 be able to update people on traffic um uh, travel times etc what do you think the biggest um pain point that your companies uh, or your industries that you're seeing that that could be made um in it in software what do you, where do you see some of those biggest pain points that there could be solutions explored Absolutely. Brenton, one of the things, one of the trends, I'm going to stay with hotels for a sec. One of the trends I'm seeing in the hospitality industry, which is really interesting, and it's only been the last few years where this has ramped up, is I'm sitting in a hotel where I talk to you today, and I know that a bunch of rooms down the hallway here are vacant. Uh, one of the challenges of any service provider, whether it be a company like ours or others who are servicing this hotel and the, and the group, is that this hotel is only getting income for a percentage of their property at any given time. Mm. One of the innovations that has happened, and it's not just cloud that has got us here, there's been other capital innovations that have happened over the last few years, which have got to the stage where some of the deals even we do now are deals where we say to a hotel, and we've actually done live deals in this capacity, where we say to a hotel, we know that you're counting on only 78 to 80% of any given time, um, you, you will have utilisation. So why don't we price our network solution or our collaboration solution on your capacity? And as you realise improvement, so we've got one property where I'm I'm not in that property today, but one of our properties here in Canberra who just reopened literally is working with us on the basis that when they improve there, they know that the solutions, the collab solutions they've put in, which are based on a tablet and on a it, it improves the experience and ultimately allows the guest to. Uh, communicate with the with the office much more easily and also get if you want a softer pillow or if you want a warmer blanket or whatever you need in that regard it, it services that need more effectively but it also allows a, a richer F&B experience food and beverage experience and it also allows uh, the client to book restaurants more effectively without any uh, it's a frictionless experience what I'm saying is we've actually bet with them in that solution so we've actually priced the solution and they only pay based on the utilisation and based on the actual uh, P&L outcome that they generate. That is becoming more and more common in the IT industry. And I love this I love this idea. I think there's any number of IT organisations who've done this for a while. I look at Gartner as a research company. Yeah. Um, they, they price based on consumption. And I think that's a really smart way to, to operate. 
don't sell to Carl based on I've, I've got I've got so many so many encyclopedias of of analysis I've just given to Carl, so I'm going to charge him a hundred thousand dollars. But when Carl needs something to drive his strategy, he's going to draw that book down, and that's when we charge when he actually uses and gets value from the exchange. And I think the other second part of this conversation, Brenton, would be because you have that intimacy with the customer, your opportunity to actually suggest, mm. to actually say, we're working with a number of uh, organisations, including people like Samsung and other providers who can actually work with us as collaboration partners and we can start to bring value-added improvements into the chain. So with that same example in the hotel room, we're actually now working to the stage where we're improving security outcome, we're improving operational outcome, and we're improving P&L outcome. So the hotel loves it because they're saying, not only are you uh, pitching a solution that we think makes sense, but you're actually betting on us. Yeah. You're actually taking a, ch- you're actually taking a chance. And by the way, if, if we, God forbid, if we fail, we both fail. So they love the, they love the buy-in and they, they love the willingness to actually take that type of chance. I think there's stacks of opportunities like that, and I think the season we're in, Brenton, probably drives even more opportunities in that regard. Yeah, I think you're dead right. It's funny you talk about the 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 pay pay for I guess you know pay for what you eat um, models. That really has now for me become an expectation to some levels when I'm when I'm working with any form of IT company, anybody that comes with this overall big figure and they just want to sell me a, a nice piece of software I kind of worry that they're I, I my experience with those companies at the moment are that they kind of disappear on me once I've paid my big um, purchase price whereas when I'm buying a subscription from IT companies they, they're constantly touching base with me they're they're helping me improve my experience with their products and that leaves me expecting that from other companies and when I don't get it well, actually, it's much harder to become loyal to those companies. Dell, Dell are one of those companies that we talked about, and I talk about a lot in, as I said, in, in my conversations because of how much they led the CX world and the personalization, um, the trackable nature of it as well, and being able to predict when it was arriving. I haven't seen a lot of Dell recently, though. What has happened to Dell? I think the numbers would suggest they're still a very, very successful, one of the most successful IT companies of all. Right. But uh, And I'm certainly not going to say anything to disparage uh, my past employer, Brenton. They fed my family for seven, seven and a half years and, and I, I, I'm st- I, I still bleed a little bit of blue, so I'm still quite loyal. But I will say that I think it's, it's, it's always challenging when you become the size of a company that, like Dell is and do you retain, do you retain the intimacy? Do you retain those... Uh, connections and that intimate understanding of what can be. I know even a conversation I had with someone here yesterday, I know they're a little frustrated that they didn't quite feel um, connected. They didn't f- quite feel, and this was a very large organisation, they didn't quite feel like their their needs were being considered in the, in, appropriately enough. And I think any organisation needs to be careful when they get the size. I mean, any of the large airlines, any of the large supermarkets have the same risk. You get to a stage where you're so big that people people kind of lose that passion at the base level. That because Dell uh, certainly through most of last decade um, ha- had a, had a following like very few other companies, and they they were absolutely operating like a startup. Um, even though they were a large organisation, they were still acting like a startup. They were very entrepreneurial. I think is it a nature of a business that gets to this size that that 
you detune that entrepreneurial bend. If that's the case, that scares me because any any organisation should always remain imaginative and always look at an opportunity to do more. Um, so I hope that that's not the case. But that's some of the observations I've made. How how do large companies retain as they grow? You know, what are the if you if you were going to give three quick tips to anybody listening out there who are in charge of a large company and they need to they realise that they're 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 the, although I think in this current year, everybody's innovation, innovative thinking is going through the roof. We're always thinking about how do we solve the problems that we're facing at the moment. But let's say there's a there's a leader who's going through the pain of this year and they realise that they, they need to bring innovation back into their company. What would be three quick tips that you could pass on to them to, 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 to help them with their thinking and their, their, their transformation? So tip number one would be collaboration. At a time like this, it's really easy to become insular and focus on uh, your own things and lose focus on what's possible in the market. There's never been a more important time than to win with others and through others. And I think whatever industry you're in, I, I know in the IT industry, we have multiple levels of connectedness and the, and the most successful people know and do this consistently. They collaborate and they keep on exploring at a rate that wasn't possible previously. So that's number one. Number two for me is effectiveness. Make sure you're, you're extracting value from every one of your investments and, and like I said earlier, be brave enough to call in any of the gaps, any of the misses, any of the areas that aren't achieving. Yeah. You know, this never waste a crisis. This is an opportunity to, ver- to very quickly draw to a close any gaps in the business that aren't going to get where you need to be and focus back on, what are the things that you need to do to be effective? I know in my business, Brenton, even though Alcatel is an old organisation, we're reimagining every element of the supply chain right now. So I'm literally working with an expert to unpack and make sure that not only we have the right processes to support the challenge period, but when we come out of this crisis, we're going to understand why we've been successful because we've unpacked every element and we've actually taken time to look at the effectiveness of our processes, whether it be a sales, sales uh, you know, element or whether it be an operational or a, or a marketing uh, initiative, we can understand very clearly. One of the things Dell taught me really well around this area, Brenton, was measure what you manage. Make sure you keep, and I know that's a corny old saying, but get to the stage where every part of your business, I know in our business, we're looking at marketing campaigns done by our partners. But what an incredible conversation to go into a partner principal of an IT partner and say, actually, we've done your homework. We've done your analysis. We know not only your effectiveness rate, but we know what the market's doing. Let us show you the data so that you can actually take, you can actually grow your success off the back of us. Incredibly powerful conversations, Brenton. And I know even in one of my previous roles at Staples or others, to, to, to have had a vendor come and talk to me in that tone. Uh, would have been a gift. Uh, number three for me is growth. Um, I still think, particularly like I look at our, we, we operate in five key verticals. Only three of those verticals today are still operating at full pace or or near full pace. So being able to pivot really quickly and and accelerate the areas that are growing. So for ALE right now, we're focusing very heavily on transportation. And in Australia, there's any number of examples, Western Sydney's airport, there's a bunch of others. 
uh, some of the metro systems. There's a lot of things. The government has made a very, very loud and proud statement about they're going to continue investing in infrastructure which supports improved transportation outcomes for its citizens. And so that industry continues to be quite, quite buoyant. We also focus on healthcare for obvious reasons. Healthcare, not only during COVID, but at any time is a very buoyant sector. And for us, we're focusing on how do we give more. And again, back to my first comment about collaboration, we're going up and down, up and down the chain inside health organisations at all levels, all the way through to the clinical front line, understanding what the delivery of healthcare looks like, can be like, and what role we can play to improve those outcomes. And then the final thing is public sector. So we do a lot of work with government. And once again, government is typically during a recession, government has the same money, but the budget spends move around. Mm. So being able to understand exactly where those pockets of money are and be able to quickly pivot towards is really, really key. So collaboration, effectiveness, growth, they're my three. Well, they are, they are three brilliant tips. The one ad, ad, additional comment I'd make to that first one, that collaboration, it's not just outside organisations either, is it? It's the internal collaboration Absolutely. that people really need to focus on, that siloing that we mentioned before. And you talk about the healthcare. We, I know that many, prior to 2020, many of our DHBs, um, district health boards in New Zealand, were very siloed in their purpose, in their thinking. The one... DHB that wasn't, funnily enough, is Christchurch. Christchurch DHB, who have been through some really intense um, crises over the last 10 years. Mm. And they have become really de-siloed because crises need, needs you to focus on that collaborative, breaking down silo wall efforts, doesn't it? Absolutely. And, and you, you're right on, Brenton. You're right on. And your point point is so well taken. I see this play out live and those who are actively playing as the, I'll call it the commercial diplomat, between those different forces. So in, in, in your analogy, the health districts or the health services, between the health services and the corporate side of health and act as that ambassador, the, the Switzerland, the, the person who goes in and actually takes insights, experiences and values between those organisations, suddenly their value goes through the roof and they become a whole lot more potent. The, 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 the health constituents absolutely love the value that can be created from the kind of motion you're talking about. Your point is well taken. And um, I guess technology is, an, is a key part of that now as well, um, as people realise that, I mean, the siloing of our trans-Tasman distance has come down in this. We're having co I'm having conversations with people in Aussie and in Canada that prior to the pandemic, I think, would have been far more difficult to have because people weren't as open to this um, business, uh, business conversations without borders. Yeah, totally agree. I, I think it's great, Brendan. I think it's going to give us even more opportunities to understand what else can be. You asked me earlier about Dell. One of the things, <clears throat> one of the favourite things I did at Dell and I try, I'm trying to do it at Alcatel as well, is work across borders, is learn what's going on what, what smart things are going on in Northern Europe? I know that Scandinavia have an incredible reputation for their healthcare practices. So how can I borrow those? And again, back to my commercial ambassador analogy, bring those back into country. You've mentioned Canada. Canada has so many relatable elements in its culture with both your country and mine. Um, as, as members of the Commonwealth, I know one of the government people here in Canberra said yesterday, 
as far, as long as it's a Five Eyes security, they call it a Five Eyes conversation. It's the title for Australia, New Zealand, Canada, UK, US. And as lo- he said, as long as it's a Five Eyes conversation, I'm good to go. And and what an opportunity that is for our countries. What an opportunity it is for us to play across, in, independent of geography, and, and to and to learn and and, and succeed together. Mm. Carl, thank you so much for being on the show. I've found our conversation over the last 40 minutes or so really fascinating. If anybody wanted to talk to you about some of the stuff that we've discussed today or reach out to you for guidance and assistance with their transformation, how would they best get in contact with you? Thanks, Brenton. So LinkedIn's a great tool for people to connect. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm active. I'll return every uh, poke that people people make of me. My name is spelled Carl with a K, Syce, S-I-C-E. Feel free to reach out there or the email address is Carl with a K dot Syce at A-L alpha lima hyphen enterprise.com. But I'd love to hear from people who need my help. Wonderful. And next time you're in New Zealand, when all this pandemic is kind of settled, um, we will have a beer. I'll look forward to that, mate. Thanks, Brenton. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope that you found it interesting and of value. As a further thank you, we'd like to offer you 30% discount on the courses on HTO Educate. If you put the discount code HTO Podcast 30 at the checkout, you'll get 30% off your order. Thank you once again, and we will speak to you next time.